Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Grab your cup of coffee. It's the Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. I'm Blois Olson, your host for February 27th, 2022. Once again, we continue two years of just a very fast, furious, and sometimes frightening news cycle. Couldn't something be predictable? Something be stable? Something be good news? You know, this past week we dealt with the conflict in Ukraine. The idea that Russia has invaded Ukraine. Uh, bringing us to the precipice of a European war for the first time in my lifetime, first time in many of our listeners' lifetimes, and a whole different dynamic on the world stage. We'll watch that closely uh, and follow it daily. But how it impacts us here at home is, I think, a theme of 2022 and a theme of this week, Uh, starting with gas prices and energy prices to the already record high inflation. I was only seven or eight years old the last time we had these global geopolitical issues. But I remember it starkly. And I remember how my mom and my neighbors reacted. There was an anxiety. This time it comes after an anxiety of two years of a pandemic, an anxiety of rising crime rates, an anxiety of whether or not our kids are getting a good education. And those are the things that are going to shape 2022. One of them that's coming up fast is taxes. Legislature has some things they need to get done, but they don't have to get them done. There's nothing says constitutionally or anything that they need to address taxes, whether it's unemployment insurance trust fund or taxes for everyday Minnesotans. But that quickly emerged as a theme. And while the legislature might not get it done and they don't have to do anything, even though they should do something, the rest of Minnesota will watch while we have to deal with our own taxes. I'm Blaise Olson. This is Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO, and we're talking to Doug Loon. He's the president and CEO of the Minnesota Chamber of Commerce, which it should be noted was named the best chamber of commerce in the country uh, this past year. So congratulations to Doug on that. I, you know, I think when you're named the best at something, people should not forget that, Doug. Well, we are proud of it. It's a, it's a distinct honor, and we're privileged to be recognized by our peers around the country as the number one state chamber in the country for all the good work that we do. And, um, you know, having come through COVID, it's uh, as an organization working with the business community, that's a, that's a nice high honor for us to be recognized in this way. It is. And working with the legislature is obviously one of the things the Minnesota State Chamber does a lot. Obviously, the number one topic has been repaying the Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund, which with a big surplus, which we'll get to uh, later in the conversation, uh, since there's another budget forecast tomorrow, that would tell me that there's, um, that why, why with the surplus hasn't repaying the Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund been done already in this legislative session, or do you expect it to be done soon because i feel like there's a deadline coming up there is uh this is an urgent matter um the deficit of the unemployment insurance trust fund and the need to get to solvency under the federal expectations uh, remember this is a federal program of which the state partners in in um, collecting the revenues needed to support this very important program and with the covid recession caused um, economic downturn, um, we need to make sure that the unemployment trust fund is in solid position, and we're expected to do so. Um, As a result of that expectation, uh, the Department of Employment and Economic Development, known as DEED, is following through on that expectation and putting forth a tax increase in the absence of the legislature acting Uh, And those notices will be going out March 15th. So, yes, there is a deadline. And those new taxes will kick in April 1st. And I'll tell you, um, this is an important fund, an important program that is an important safety net for employees. And uh, we want to make sure it's fully funded, but it's not on the backs of businesses, not right now, because a tax increase of the scale that will be necessary to get to solvency uh, we'll slow down our economic recovery. There's still a lot of uncertainty out there. 
uh, caused by the pandemic, caused by uncertainty in the global marketplace, caused by uncertainty in cons- how consum- consumers are changing and supply chains have been affected. Now's not the time to be imposing a significant tax increase, and it can be avoided. The legislature can avoid this. In fact, the governor stepped up uh, and is and is proposing to fully fund using the surplus. And remember, there's federal dollars available because of COVID yep. to states to help fulfill this commitment too. And most states have done this, followed through, quickly taking care of this matter and not, um, and not put their economy on the line as a result. So we are asking uh, the legislature to follow through. Uh, the governor has recommended this. He's working on behalf of making sure the fund is fully in place to support workers and not slow down our economy. And uh, we'd like to see it get done in the next couple of weeks so we don't see a tax increase on businesses that greatly will inhibit their ability to recover and get, get back to full employment. Doug Loon's my guest. He's the president and CEO of the Minnesota Chamber. We're talking about the repayment of the unemployment trust fund. How big would the increase in the tax be on business? Uh, and then secondly, we have a surplus announcement coming tomorrow, or a, I'm sorry, a budget forecast coming tomorrow, which we assume will have a surplus that could be even larger than the one that was announced in December. Um, and my sense, and the data seems to show that much of the surplus is because of business taxes and profits on businesses being taxed uh, over this last year and into the future. So businesses are already paying a lot into the state. It's leading to a surplus. And now there could be this if we don't take care of unemployment. Do I have that right? And 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 what do business owners say about, we talk about taxes all the time, but this, this new one, what would it mean um, and how much would it be? It will mean different things to different sizes of businesses. So depending upon their, 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 um, uh, their experiences, um, their size, uh, we know that, for example, one Twin Cities-based company with fewer than 50 employees will see a 53% increase in their UI payroll tax. Um, we have others that are showing significant bottom line hit as a result of this um, expected uh, tax increase. Yeah. And with a $7.7 billion budget surplus, which is record-breaking, um, the state has the capability to pay this back. Also, 31 other states have used their Federal CARES Act or ARPA dollars to repay their unemployment insurance funds. Minnesota has those resources and they have a a hefty surplus of which businesses helped create. And really, we don't want to see a tax increase right now in all those businesses. And and I'll just say this, the the, um, COVID caused recession, yes, was very uneven on on the marketplace, uh, no doubt. Um, some businesses fared reasonably well. Others were really in a tough spot and continue to be in a tough spot. And now's not the time to put a payroll tax that will directly impact their ability to to reach payroll. Remember, um, with um, inflation and 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 workers being short in certain areas, in particular, it, businesses are stepping up and they're increasing wages and benefits. Yep. This go this directly affects that ability to remain competitive in their marketplace. As other states haven't put this tax on. So we should we should follow suit and get this done. Yeah, no, I think you bring up a good point with wage inflation and some of these other economic uh, pressures that everybody's facing right now. But business is not alone. 
Um, where do you think the hangup is? Is this a classic Minnesota passive aggressive divided legislature? Seems like even though it's, you know, Tuesday is March 1st, that this is one of those things that unfortunately might go to the last minute. Is there, is there anything, you know, that you think could make it move quicker maybe in the next week to get done? Well, let me say this. The Senate has already acted and they did it in a bipartisan way. They they followed through on the governor's recommendation in his budget to fully fund the UI trust fund and get us back to solvency and use the surplus to do so. They passed it 55 to 11. Um, Very bipartisan, a clear recognition of the need to do this swiftly. Now we're asking for the House to follow suit. Um, They have not taken the bill up yet on the floor and we're asking to do it expeditiously. Um, you know, there's always negotiating that goes on. Boyce, you know that well, but we can't wait till the end of session for that negotiation to occur. We, you know, we waited last year till the very end to get the Paycheck Protection Program uh, funds um, non-tax in Minnesota. Right. That got mixed into the final deal. Now businesses are having to go back through the Department of Revenue and fix that. We can't do that. We can't wait for a fix post really April 1st, when the bills go out March 15th, those bills are due April 1. This is not a fixable solution retroactively. This needs to be done now by the legislature with the governor's help, which he is offering. And uh, we hope that the, the a bipartisan solution will emerge here in the coming days. Sounds great. Doug Loon's been my guest on Sunday day. When we come back, we're talking to Representative Dan Walgamont about a potential gas tax holiday. When it's nine o'clock on Sundays on WCCO, it's politics in Minnesota on Sunday Take. We'll be right back. We're back on Sunday Take. The next guest is Dan Wolgamont. He's a state representative. And on Friday, he and some colleagues floated the idea of a gas tax holiday between Memorial Day and Labor Day. Representative Wolgamont, thanks for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on, and I'm excited to connect with you about the stuff happening at the legislature. So let's just start with this gas tax holiday. Obviously, uh, the gas tax is always a political hot potato. Um, Energy prices are rising. Inflation is up. Where did the idea of a holiday against the Minnesota gas tax come from? And just how much per gallon would it save consumers? The idea came straight from my constituents. I've been getting all kinds of input on how rising costs of living are just crippling my constituents' budgets from food to gas to really everything. And so there are things out of our control, you know, such as what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening in Congress that are contributing to inflation and high fuel prices. But one thing that we can control here in the state of Minnesota is the gas tax. And so by our our proposal would take about $200 million from the budget surplus and put that to suspending the gas tax for the summer. That's when fuel prices typically are at their highest. That's when folks are going up to the cabin, are doing a lot of traveling around our state during the summer. So this is just a small but significant way to get money back into the pockets of Minnesotans and help ease some of that pain that they're feeling on their pocketbooks by suspending the gas tax. As you think about other costs that have been going up that you're hearing from constituents, are there other thoughts to kind of lower the cost of living that you think, 
you know, whether it's tax cuts in other areas, uh, child care credits, other ways you think the legislature might be able to get something done this year? Absolutely. You know, whether it's through tax cuts or through, you know, uh, one-time spending, we have an incredible opportunity with the historic budget surplus to invest in Minnesotans and get us back on track from the pandemic. You know, one proposal that we're putting forward is paid family medical leave uh, that would ensure that no Minnesotan has to choose between earning a paycheck and taking care of themselves or a loved one when they get sick. Um, we absolutely need to invest in childcare opportunities. I'm proud to serve on the early childhood committee. And now is the time, you know, talk about workforce. If we can get more childcare opportunities and if we can make childcare more accessible and affordable for families, uh, that is going to be such a good investment long-term in our economy. So I could go on and on. The, the historic budget surplus gives us so many opportunities to not only do short-term things like alleviate the pain that Minnesotans are feeling at the pump through a gas tax holiday, but invest in long-term things like paid family medical leave, like more child care opportunities. They're going to set Minnesotans up for success now and for years and years to come. Representative Dan Wolgamont's my guest. We're talking about not just the gas tax holiday between Memorial Day and Labor Day, which House DFLers has proposed on Friday. You know, my last guest was Doug Loon, the president and CEO of the Minnesota Chamber. They mm-hmm. are very concerned about the unemployment trust fund and uh, not being reimbursed and that the deal is not going to get done by March 15th. Uh, to reimburse that, which, of course, based on, you know, an employer's ratings, that could mean an increase in the unemployment insurance tax to them. Do you think that deal will get done uh, in time for employers to avoid an increase in their rates? I'm hopeful that it will, but we need to make sure that we are investing both in businesses and in workers. And that's what House Democrats have been really focused on. Right off the bat, I was the chief author of legislation to reinstate the workers' compensation presumption for public safety workers and healthcare workers and childcare workers who contract COVID-19. I spent a lot of time negotiating with with Mr. Loon and others on the Workers' Compensation Advisory Council, but ultimately because House Democrats were willing to stand up for workers, we got that done. Just last night, we passed... Uh, legislation that I co-authored to provide uh, up to $1,500 in bonus checks to more than 667,000 of Minnesota's frontline workers. We would not have a budget surplus without the risks and the sacrifices that were made by these frontline workers. So I know that that, that, that UI bill is working its way through the House, and you know, I'm certainly hopeful that we will be able to get a deal done on that. But we have to make sure that we're supporting both businesses and workers to get something done. Representative, I, mon, tomorrow uh, we're going to have another budget forecast. Uh, early indications are that the surplus may be even bigger than before. A lot of the taxes that the majority of the taxes that uh, have been collected in that surplus have been corporate taxes. When you talk about the balance and you talk about costs increasing, costs increasing. How do you kind of reconcile the costs that are increasing on a family and the costs that are increasing because of supply chain and inflation on a business um, as 
how do you how do you balance those in your in your legislating or your ideas? Because as you know, wages have gone up, other costs have gone up for business, which then can't be higher wages for workers or those kinds of things. And I just feel like we're we're at this point where um, post pandemic, you know, different dynamics now that there's kind of a you know a realignment of what our economy needs to flourish and um, and be competitive in Minnesota. Do you have any bigger thoughts on kind of how to balance those things in a budget surplus between tax relief, unemployment insurance, child care relief? Is there a balance or should it just all go to the workers? Well, absolutely. Balance is the key word there. Um, but right now we're seeing you know, Republicans standing up for these you know, these huge tax cuts that would gut our budget, that would, you know, only help the richest of the rich corporations get even richer. And we can't have that. We need to have a balanced approach. That's what you said. You know, there is no reason why with this historic budget surplus that we cannot do both, but we have to do both. And right now, Republicans are the ones who are you know, only trying to help the big corporations get even bigger and richer and they want to leave workers behind. We're not going to let that happen. So Do you, absolutely, I, I've, I've, been, I, I've, been, I've been working with my local chamber. I've been working with the St. Cloud Greater Development Corporation. You know, we do need to support our businesses, but we need to have a balanced approach. You're absolutely right. Representative, I got to ask you, because that's a really clever talking point to use against Republicans. But then you talk about working with your St. Cloud chamber. It's the... It's actually the small businesses in Minnesota that pay the most in taxes. How do you how do you reconcile that? How do you look at the small businesses in St. Cloud and say your costs are going up, but you shouldn't get a tax cut? I, I'm not saying that they shouldn't. I'm saying that we should do both. Right? We should both prioritize the needs of our small businesses and on workers. Okay. All right. I just when you go to that standard talking point, we don't. Now, I always kind of accept those on Sunday take, just so you know, we want to make sure we have a thoughtful discussion. Well, it's not a talking point. It's the truth. <laughs> uh, it's the truth. If you look at what they've put out and you look at what we've put out, we are standing up for workers. That's no talking point. That's a fact. But uh, okay. appreciate the opportunity to clarify. No problem. What are the other priorities for you personally in this legislative session? Because transportation infrastructure obviously we've got a lot of federal money you're proposing the you know paying for the holiday through the surplus the gas tax was part of governor walls's big campaign in 2018 i know that infrastructure is a big issue in the st cloud area what are the kind of projects maybe that you hope to see funded in the bonding mill or invested in through other state uh, resources this year well, one of the top priorities at the forefront of my mind in the work that I'm, I'm doing at the Capitol is public safety and making sure that our law enforcement have the tools and the resources and the support that they need to do their jobs and keep us safe. Earlier this week, I, uh, legislation I'm co-authoring uh, to, provide, uh, to, to provide help and support to our police chiefs and our sheriffs who right now are facing a dire workforce shortage. And this workforce shortage in our law enforcement agencies is posing a direct threat to the safety and security of our communities all throughout the state. It's not just not just an issue in the Twin Cities, but it's a dire issue here in St. Cloud. And it's an issue you know, everywhere in between in our state. And so we put forward legislation that would provide funding to invest in the next generation of peace and police officers. 
you know, especially again with this budget surplus, we can make those investments in our law enforcement. And so we're providing programming and training opportunities by cultivating the, the resources and the potential that we have at Minnesota State's colleges and universities so that we can have law enforcement applicants who are well-trained, who are connected to their communities and can go in and provide some support to our law enforcement agencies. That's a, a huge thing is making sure that we are you know, funding the safety and security of our communities all throughout Minnesota. When you, talk, when you think about that from where we were, you know, a little under two years ago, where some of your colleagues in the house, not you, but some of your colleagues in the house actually were very critical of law enforcement across the state, suggested defunding. Have, have those colleagues shifted their mindset knowing that, you know, people have left being police officers or they've retired early? Do you think there's a shift within your caucus on that topic? Well, I certainly don't want to speak for any of my other colleagues, but you know, I know for me that this is, it continues to be a priority. It's a priority for many members of my caucus. You know, there was, I think, a good, a good dozen of us who came into the Capitol early on Monday to have the press conference to roll this out. You know, we've, we've got a lot of views in our caucus, and that, that's what makes us great. We're a big tent. We've got folks from the heart of Minneapolis and St. Paul. We've got folks in regional centers like me and St. Cloud. And we've got, you know, all the way up on the Iron Range and International Falls. So, you know, we have a lot of lot of perspectives in that caucus, but I do know that there are a lot of us who uh, were proud of the reforms that we made uh, in the wake of the murder of George Floyd. Uh, we we did pass some big bipartisan reforms to you know provide some accountability measurements for our law enforcement. But at the end of the day, you know, when I when I'm hearing from from my mayor and my police chief and those throughout the state that we are facing a workforce shortage. Uh, that, that is a wake-up call to me. And so we've, we've got some work to do. There's a lot of conversations that need to be had. But you know, I know that myself and, and others on my team are pushing to fund the next generation of law enforcement, of folks who are connected to their communities, who are highly trained, who have that relationship with the people that they are going to be protecting and serving. That's how we truly reform and, and improve our law enforcement, both now and for generations to come. My guest has been Representative Dan Wolgamont. Uh, he's a representative from the St. Cloud area, and he and other DFLers proposed a gas tax holiday between Memorial Day and Labor Day, as well as the other issues we discussed, and we'll follow it along the way. Representative, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. Well, it's a pleasure to be on, and uh, yes, I, I hope to put a plug in for uh, Beers with Blois in St. Cloud sometime soon. We'll be there this summer, uh, meeting with legislative candidates uh, across the state. When we come back on Sunday Take, you heard Representative Volgamont talk about the Republican tax plan. We'll break it down next on News Talk 830 WCCO. Our final guest is Senator Carla Nelson. She's the chair of the Senate Tax Committee. And it's kind of a theme this week. Uh, and as we get towards the end of the legislative session or through this middle part of the legislative session, I think taxes are going to be one of the undercurrents of discussion. This week, the Senate Republicans proposed a major tax overhaul in Minnesota, and Senator Nelson joins me now. Senator Nelson, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's great to be with you, Blois. Always good to talk about things happening in our state. Well, um, tomorrow, the state is going to have another budget 
forecast. The last one showed a significant surplus. Indicators are that we'll have another uh, increase on that surplus tomorrow. As you and your colleagues in the Senate started to look at a tax package, where did you focus and what are your priorities? Well, uh, clearly we are focused on empowering Minnesotans and through um, encouraging economic growth. Truly the best way to fund government is through economic growth. So what that looks like in a high tax state like Minnesota is providing tax relief to every Minnesotan, uh, not just a one-time a gimmick, but permanent ongoing tax relief. There's a, you know, there's a certain um, feeling right now, there's a lot of economic uncertainty and uh, families are feeling an inflation. Obviously, we have the Russian attack on Ukraine this week, fuel prices, energy prices. Are there parts of the Republican tax package that you guys introduced this week that bring relief sooner rather than later? Uh, or, you know, if this passes or if some version of it passes, when would Minnesotans start to see the benefits? Yes, um, you're, you're right, Voice. Minnesotans are having great challenges with the high cost of inflation. And it's, it's just an a oxymoron that here the state is having so much money. Our coffers are full. Not only uh, do we have, I, I suspect it will be an $8 billion surplus. Not only do we have that surplus, but our rainy day fund is topped off with billions more. And yet Minnesotans are struggling uh, with their own checkbooks and meeting the high costs of, as you said, energy, a cup of coffee, uh, just inflation, really, uh, decades high inflation. So that's why the two proposals that uh, we brought forth yesterday are going to help every Minnesotan. And it's immediate. It's 2022 tax relief. And as I said, it will provide tax relief for Every Minnesota income tax filer, every year, year after year. And then the second piece is removing the taxation on those social security benefits that our seniors already purchased when their checks, when their paychecks were taxed for decades and decades. Uh, and then the federal government says, yes, now you can withdraw those benefits. And then the state of Minnesota has the I think, incorrect perception that it should go ahead then and tax those benefits. It's double taxation, um, only a handful of states, really about 12 states, tax Social Security. Um, most states do not. And it's time that we join the other 37 states that do not tax Social Security. I know the Social Security taxes have been a center point. It's, you know, it's been met with resistance from the DFL. Uh, the governor has you know, talked about giving a rebate check to Minnesota taxpayers. It, you know, as the chair and as you hear the governor's proposal, as you hear, you know, where DFLers plans are. And the reality is that we don't, quote, need a tax bill this year because it's non-budget year and uh, we have this big surplus. How do you look at the process of trying to come up with something that a divided legislature and a Democratic governor might be able to get done this year rather than kind of stave it off for a discussion during the campaign? Yes, uh, Voice, I do not think we should hold this discussion off 
for any campaign. Minnesotans are suffering now. Well, I think the way we need to do that is one, I'm a firm believer in the importance that the public has. Uh, the voice of the constituent is paramount. And I believe Minnesotans need to reach out to their elected officials, whether they're in the House or the Senate or the governor or Republican, Democrat. Uh, these are bipartisan uh, ideas, particularly the Social Security, eliminating the double taxation on that. And so I'm hopeful in the voice of the public to actually persuade uh, the governor and the House to adopt these measures. Now, uh, maybe the uh, I, I we have, as I said, cut that lower rate um, tax, uh, income tax in half, and it will, the greatest focus is on middle class uh, Minnesotans because everybody's income runs through that lower tax. Um, and I will certainly be willing to listen uh, if the Democrats or the, the House, the governor, if they have a better way to uh, provide permanent, ongoing, efficient tax relief to Minnesotans. That's what we need. One of the arguments that will certainly come up is the idea that we're in a time of um, economic instability, that the state budget has not always taken in or doesn't take inflation into effect. Um, and that you look a few years out, there might even be some caution signs in the forecast tomorrow. Are you worried about a tax cut leading to a future budget deficit in the state when, you know, we've kind of stabilized things for a while and not had the roller coaster of deficit, surplus, deficit, surplus? Yes, that is true. We have had surplus after surplus after surplus now for a number of years. And as I said, our cash flow accounts are full. And I am not concerned that a tax relief at this point um, would would draw down or would cause a deficit. Now, if we had a massive increase of spending, that would cause a deficit. But we have adequate funds. The federal government has sent $65 billion of COVID relief to this state. We have an $8 billion surplus. It really means we've just collected too much money. We do need to return it. And I'm hoping for bipartisan support and how we can return that uh, to impact uh, Minnesotans uh, all across our state, uh, and certainly focusing on the on the middle class. One of the things that we know from the surplus is that tax collections, especially from businesses, has been driving a lot of the revenue collection in the state. Any thoughts on why you know a, a reduction in the business taxes was not part of this plan? Well, I think uh, we certainly made great efforts to do the um, unemployment insurance uh, tax, uh, paying back that debt to the government, to the federal government. And I think that was, in a sense, uh, that's relief to um, unemployed Minnesotans. And it's also somewhat of a relief to our businesses as well. And yes, we are a high tax state when it comes to our businesses as well. But it was really um, even a nod to the DFL-controlled House and Governor that this tax proposal is really focused on a lower and middle in income uh, Minnesotans. As we wrap up here, I, I have to ask, because we're just a week away from the death of Representative Jim Hagedorn, 
any thoughts you want to share on his legacy? And I know you gave some thought to running for Congress and have decided to run again for the state Senate. Any thoughts on that decision? Yes. You know, um, Congressman Hagedorn and I, yes, we had a, a political tussle a few years ago, but the fact of the matter is over the years, we worked together on a number of issues uh, to support our joint constituents. And um, I think his legacy is one of uh, tenacity. He, he did not give up. He worked hard, I think, probably from the time uh, he stepped out of bed until the time he stepped back uh, into bed. He was just a hard, hard worker. And I think he will be remembered for that. Um, yes, I was uh, asked to consider uh, running for that seat again. And I did visit with my, my husband and I visited about it, our grown sons. And uh, at the end of the day, for me, uh, elected office is all about public service. And it's really pretty clear to me that uh, the state government is where I can have the most impact, where I can serve, where I can uh, bring the most value. And uh, that's where I'll, that's where I'll seek to stay is uh, serving in the Minnesota. Sounds great. Senator Carla Nelson's been our guest on Sunday Take. When it's Sunday at nine o'clock, it's politics and it's Minnesota on Sunday Take. I'm Blaise Olson. Talk to you next week. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.